Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. A gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that we have received great peace because of Christ who loved the law on our behalf. That it is because of what Christ has done that he keeps us blameless, that none of us should stumble. Lord, help us to be able to hope in your salvation as we set our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, as our soul clings to your word. Help us to love them exceedingly as we seek to be able to walk in your ways, your precepts and your testimonies that are ever set before us, that you would receive all glory, power, and honor, which is due your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 to 32. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. And there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses throughout all the land of Egypt. And the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so. For the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, they will, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, 
and did not let the people go. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Picture an orchestra tuning up before a grand performance. Each musician plays a different instrument, each with its own distinct sound. And as they're all preparing for their concert, they tune their instruments. The scales that are playing up and down, but each at different times. Different keys based on different instruments, all across and top of each other. It sounds chaotic at first, but then in steps the conductor, calls them all to attention, and guides them. A beautiful symphony emerges. Each instrument plays its own part with grander groups of instruments, of percussion, string, horn section. The diversity of instruments, when played in harmony, Each create a masterpiece which touches the soul. And in a similar way, God, the divine conductor, uses all of his creatures throughout all of history, like the musicians in his orchestra, each playing separate parts, filled for separate reason, all for his purposes. Specifically, God's people play their part in the world. Separate, distinct from other instruments or groups. But he shows his love for them and his purposes through them. And when we yield to the divine conductor, allowing ourselves to be set apart for his purpose, each of us, as their own instrument playing, our part as the whole. And God's creatures are set apart. Some are set apart for honor, others for dishonor. Some display God's wrath and his judgment and other God's love. And the passage today teaches us that God has separated his people for a purpose, that God's people are set apart from the world, and saved from judgment to serve God in spiritual worship. The God's people are set apart from the world and saved from judgment to serve God in spiritual worship. The first thing that we see is that they are separated from the world. We begin with the fourth sign and wonder, the, the second set of three, of three cycles of three. There's nine signs, the first three Signs and wonders are together. The next three signs and wonders are together. The last three signs and wonders are together. And here, there's a distinction between this set and what has gone before. Specifically, that now the land of Goshen is set apart from these signs and wonders. Set apart from this destruction that befalls this. Now, in previous plagues... It is only the Egyptians who are mentioned specifically that suffer the plague and their effects on the land as a whole. However, this we see there's a distinction now that as the Nile was turned to blood, it would have had an effect on the people of God. 
But now we see in this cycle that there's a separation, a distinction between the people of God and Pharaoh's people. You might say the distinction of God's people or those who obey God's word, they do not suffer the same punishment of the others. And we see this throughout this passage, but I think clearly in verses 22 to 23, that on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. And here Moses is explaining to Pharaoh that now you're going to see this distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Now what we need to understand is the distinction is very clear. What you see is the distinction is between my or God's people and your or Pharaoh's people. The Lord makes it clear that these signs and wonders continue to fall upon Pharaoh's land and Pharaoh's people, not his own. And the Lord makes distinction based upon his ownership. But we're also told that this happens in verse 22, that Pharaoh would know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. For I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Now when we think about gods in general, we have quite a different opinion and understanding from that of the Egyptians and their cultures. For them, they had specialized gods who oversaw certain aspects of creation. And in their mind, these gods, if they worked and functioned together, each subordinate maybe to one main god, then their their world would have harmony and peace and unity. We might picture it in, in the ways of creation to be able to see animals. Each have their territory, their realms. Lion's the king of the jungle. But without entering into the mythology of Egyptian gods, we should not. We should see that they saw order and power in all of these gods. Now there were times of chaos that ensued, destruction, such as the battle of Set and Horus. But there was always a victor, always someone who won. Horus defeated Set. And he was made king again after Seth had uh, killed um, Horus' father. And what the, the connection was that they saw that Pharaoh was a line, a continuation of that god Horus who ruled and reigned. And it was Pharaoh who was God's incarnate, you might say who was meant to rule over his land and his realm to make all the other gods underneath subordinate. Now, why is this important? Well, one thing about this plague is it covers the land of Egypt, the land in which was meant to be underneath Pharaoh's rule and reign. Your land, your people, but yet Pharaoh is unable to do anything. 
over the whole land. Swarms of flies. Now, the, the terminology for swarms can be mixed. There's many different types of flies. Many people believe that it's not actually a fly as we would think of it, as a house fly, but it's more like a flying beetle, a dung beetle, as they cover the land, as they fly in the land, over the, the sky. But again, this is directed against the Egyptian self-generated god of resurrection, Kiefer. And his symbol was a man with a dung beetle for a head. The god Kiefer was known for four main things, creator, protector, sun god, the god of resurrection. Yet, this god, Kiefer, is unable to protect, resurrect the land of Egypt. Instead, that creation was in ruin, as you see in verse 24. The land of Egypt was ruined by these swarms of flies. What is meant to create life and purpose and, and uh, protect is all in chaos. And all of this happened throughout the whole land of Egypt, except in the land of Goshen, where the Lord's people were. There's a distinction made between Pharaoh's people and the Lord's people. The Lord's people are separated from the world. They're called his people, and thus they do not receive what the Egyptians received. Now before we see the wreckage and ruin of what happens, we need to understand where this distinction comes from. What did Israel do to avoid this? Now you might be able to argue, as some try to do, that Israel was oppressed. And then, therefore, God seeks to be able to give them and lighten their load that they do not have to face this. The Lord doesn't want to hurt or harm them because of this oppression. However, this is a dangerous matrix to be able to look through the lens of Scripture. Mainly because that distinction is not found in this passage. The distinction that is clear throughout all this passage, the distinction that God makes the, the people of Goshen, in the people of Israel in the land of Goshen, is in this simple word, my. That they are my people. God claims them as his own. And again, we need to understand why God claims them as his own. Did they have a good week that week? And God said, oh, you know, I think they just don't deserve flies. We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 7, specifically why God called his people. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 and 8. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out 
with a mighty hand and have redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why are the people of God separated from the world? It's nothing to do who they are, what they've done. It is only because of God's love. Only because of his oath that he swore to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not their love towards God, it's God's love towards them. It's not because they were lovely. It's because God loved them. The promise that he made to their forefathers. It is this reason that God then says, they are my people, they are my treasured possession. God separated them, he redeemed them. And we can't read this passage, we have to understand that this is the same for us today. We think God loves us because we made a choice. God loves us because we did something. We walked an aisle, we prayed a prayer. God loves us now because what we did. How foolish we are. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who are we in that passage? We're the weak, ungodly. We're the sinners. Why did, God die? Why did Christ die for us? Because of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If we think we can enter into the courts with thanksgiving because what we have done, because we think we are lovely, we are perfect, we are good, we have missed the gospel, we have missed why we are his. What is our only comfort in life and death? That we are not our own. We've been bought with a price and belong body and soul to our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're separated from the world, but if we start to think that that's because we're boasting in ourselves, we've missed the point. We're separated because we're better. We're separated because we're more righteous. We're separated because we don't make as many mistakes. We're separated for whatever reason it is, We have missed the point. And then our message that we send forth is you need to be like us. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message, we are exactly the same. And God loves us. Christ died for us. He showed this love by Christ coming and dying on the cross for sinners for weak people, for ungodly people, like you and I. Then how our hearts are moved in compassion and prayer and praise towards God. Separated from the world, the second thing that we see is separated from wreckage and ruin. In all of this, Israel is not saved. They don't get delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, not yet. 
They still have the same amount of workload that is given to them on, in chapter 5. They're not saved unto freedom, but they are spared from wreckage and ruin. Their land is not filled with swarms of beetles, but they are spared from this judgment. The Lord is powerful, able to be able to judge those who live in the land of Pharaoh. Again, nothing special about who the people of God are in comparison to the people of Pharaoh. Although there might be some in this nation that are true worshipers, the last that we read about the nation of Israel in chapter 5 was they called God to judge Moses. Because he, Moses, have made them stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and put their sword in their hand to kill us. Despite their unbelief because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery, they were preserved, again, not because what they did or what they believed or how they acted, but God's faithfulness. As the Lord responded to this plea in chapter 6, verse 7, God says that he will, he will make Israel be his people, and he will be their God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. That these signs and wonders are for Pharaoh to be able to know that God, the Lord is the one true living God, but also for the people of God might know that the Lord is their God. Again, it's interesting. One commentator explained that the people of God needed to be able to see the ruin in Egypt that they actually might want to leave. When they think about Egypt in the wilderness, they think not about the destruction that had come through these plagues and signs and wonders, but they think of all the abundance that was there in Egypt. But nothing will be left. There's the smell of death and destruction already that lingers across this land, the smell of rotting carcasses of fish and frogs. But here, the people of God see that they're separated. They're separated from this wreckage and ruin. They're protected, preserved. They will forget it. So too, we as believers are separated from wreckage and ruin in the life to come. We deserve to be treated as the goats in Matthew chapter 25. We deserve death, destruction, ruin, wrath. We deserve to receive what the world receives. However, because of God's love for his people, they are spared. They are protected. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Christ came to be able to take that wreckage and ruin, that wrath upon himself, that we deserve condemnation, but because of God's love, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The last thing that we see here is that we're separated for worship. Not only are we separated from the world to be able to not just receive God's love, not only to avoid punishment, but we're separated the world that we might be able to worship the Lord. Pharaoh had previously pleaded with Moses to be able to remove the plague, and then he would let the people go. However, he hardened his heart. He did not fulfill the word of his promise. Now, Pharaoh shows his power yet again. See, this somewhat of a comic battle between small Pharaoh and large God. Pharaoh seeming like he's in control, 
by saying, plead with him tomorrow. You know, maybe something will change. But now the Lord each time tells Pharaoh, tomorrow. Somewhat comical to say, well, you ask tomorrow. I'll show it to you tomorrow. But here Pharaoh says that they can worship. They just can't go. They're not allowed to leave the land. Now Moses shows that he's not willing to compromise. Because what that actually does is it brings the world into their worship. That he knows that if they worship God in the correct way, then what they would be doing is offending the Egyptians. Then who's going to get blamed for all these plagues and signs and wonders? If you have a particular animal that is sacred, and then you go see the Israelites making all these sacrifices with this animal... And all these devastating plagues come upon the land of Egypt. Who would you blame? Well, it's because the the Israelites were sacrificing and killing these sacred animals. That's not what is going to happen. And maybe this is Pharaoh's plan. Again, he's trying to get rid of the Israelites and their power. Maybe if the Egyptians would rise up against them and stone them, then this would solve his problem. But Pharaoh will continually try and make compromises. We read that the Israelites are to go and worship. But they need to do it in their way, the way God has prescribed. Now this is an important principle that we'll see played out through the remainder of the signs and wonders, but also throughout the whole book of Exodus. Pharaoh will seek to be able to provide ways for the people to go and make sacrifices to the Lord. Go, but you can't take any animals. Go, but you can't take your children. But Moses is unwavering. He explains in verse 27 that they can only go and worship God in God's way. Pharaoh then says, well, go, but just don't go very far. Or again, Moses is unwavering. It needs to be a three-day journey. Again, you see, Pharaoh is trying to grasp for all the control he can get. Who's in control? It's the Lord. And again, it's not that merely that the people of God could not worship God. God is everywhere. God is not limited. You can only worship me in this little sphere over here. They could worship God anywhere, but they can't worship God in the world's way. They can't worship God as the Egyptians worship their gods. Their gods are merely just creation, whereas God is creator. This will be one of the most foundational aspects of the nation of Israel and continued in the the life of the church. Not only is Israel set apart from other nations in location or distinction, but also for purpose. They are to worship and serve God in God's way. Now they will fail. Think about that great failure of the golden calf that will come up. It's not that they're seeking to be able to worship a false god. They seek to be able to worship Yahweh, the one who has brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
but they do it in the world's way by making an idol. But again, Pharaoh seeks to be able to instruct Moses on how they're to worship. But Moses says that we're set apart to worship God in God's way, not in a man-made way. Now again, Pharaoh agrees to this, that people God can leave. However, we know he doesn't let them go. He continues to rule, be ruled by his sinful hard heart. So too, believers, we are separated from this world. Not because only the world is evil. We live in the world. We're not of the world. We're separated from the wrath and judgment because of what Christ has done for us. But we're also separated to worship God and Him alone in His way. Paul appeals to the believers in Rome to present themselves as living sacrifices, which is their spiritual worship. They're to do this by not being conformed to the world. Separation. The transformation of the renewal of their mind. Testing what is God's will. With three qualifications. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I think sadly we do not quite fully grasp this principle. Maybe we understand that we're separated from the world. We don't understand why. But we understand at least we're different, we're distinct. That we have been called out as God's people. Abraham was one who was set apart from the world as God called him out to be a new nation, a new people group. We all have been called out of the ways of the world to walk in this new way. In God's way. And we love God and salvation that comes from Him. But do not really fully grasp that we have been saved to worship. Saved to give glory and adoration and praise to God who loves us, who saves us, who died for us. Saved to be able to worship God in the way He has prescribed in His Word. Do you think you're separated from the world because you think you're special? Or do you know that God has shown you mercy? Do you self, see yourself separated from the world and just merely think that you are no longer judged for your sin but continue to walk in your sin? Do you self-separate from the world so you think you can just do what you want? That you're a free person and you don't understand that this freedom is, comes with a price. You've been bought with a price and you belong not to yourself, but body and soul to your precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you see yourself as one who seeks to be able to worship God in His way? Giving Him all glory, praise, and honor. Not by merely just showing up for an hour or two on a Sunday but your whole life seeking to be able to please the one who loves you and has saved you 
set apart to be able to glorify Him and enjoy Him. When we see this, we see there's nothing special about us. But it's God's love that separates us. We are His people for His purpose. We are God's people set apart from the world and worldly things, saved from judgment to serve God in spiritual worship. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and magnificent Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have shown to us your love through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins on the cross. Lord, we pray that we would understand that we are separated from the world and the worldly ways. We're separated from the judgment which is faced by those who sin and turn their backs against you. But also, Lord, we are saved to serve. We are saved to worship you and you alone. Help us transform our hearts, renew our minds, that we would have the same mind of that of Christ Jesus. We pray and lay all these things humbly at your feet. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.